Good morning, church family. We're blessed today to be able to come together and begin with baptism, but I want to welcome you here to First Baptist Church Pineville this morning. If you're our guest, if you would take a moment and complete the guest communication card, what we call the blue card there in your worship guide, we'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can follow up with you and continue to pray with you. Also, if you have prayer needs, be sure to write those on there. We'll collect those blue cards at the end of the service so you have plenty of time to uh, fill in that information. This morning, as we gather together for worship, we get to celebrate the baptism of Bailey Jones. Bailey? Bailey, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. May we pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to celebrate baptism. We thank you, Lord, for newfound faith in Bailey. And we pray, God, that there will be others today who have yet to trust you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, may today be the day of salvation for them. You are almighty. And we worship you as such. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no better way to start our, our service than with a baptism. And no better way to come after that than to celebrate the Almighty One. Let's stand and sing this morning. You have no
And we do acknowledge that he is the great I am. He is the El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. Let's take a few moments this morning and pause and reflect and have a word of prayer to continue to invite the Lord into our presence. There may be some of you here this morning, there are issues on your heart, deep needs, things that you're struggling with and wrestling with. And maybe just for a few moments here, you just need to do a little business with God and to say, Lord, I'm dealing with this. Please take it. I yield it to you and I trust you. I'm going to ask everyone at this time, if you're able to please kneel where you're at, uh, this altar is open. Uh, wherever you are, wherever you need, let's go to the Lord now and just spend a few moments in his presence as the body of believers, as the body of Christ, the church. Father, we know that you are the great I am. We can rest in that, Lord. We can pause and reflect in that, Lord, that nothing catches you by surprise, that you are sovereign, you are righteous, and you are Lord above all. We thank you, Lord, for sending your perfect and your holy and matchless son to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for every precious blood, an innocent drop of blood that he shed on our behalf on the cross of Calvary. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. Surround us with your presence. Do a mighty work in this room today, Lord. Be with our pastor as he delivers the message you laid upon his heart. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and minds, Lord. We know that your word does not return void. I pray this morning that you be with those here today that don't know you as your Lord and Savior. I pray, Jesus, that you would show them they'll never be happy apart from you. And I pray, Jesus, that you would convict them so strongly, Lord, they will not be able to sleep, to have rest or peace until they've come to that moment in their life where they've said, yes, Jesus, I'm yielding my life to you. Lord, in this room, I know there are many hurting, Lord, many seeking answers. Lord, we know that you are the Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And so I pray, Jesus, that you would just heal and surround this place and those with your comforting arms of tender mercy, Lord. Be with those, Lord Jesus, that are hurting. Lord, we know that you've come to bind up the brokenhearted. So, Jesus, I pray that you meet every need at the, level, at the very level of their need, Lord, according to your will and according to your way. Lord, we continue to dedicate this service to you. We welcome you. And we thank you, Jesus, for all that you do for us and that, that you will continue to do for us. We love you and we ask all these things, your powerful and your holy name, King Jesus. Amen. We're going to hear Jesus ask this question this morning in John chapter 5. Do you want to get well? Now that's a loaded question right there. Do you want to get well? Well, the only way we'll ever get really well is by coming to Jesus and coming to his cross. Let's sing about that right now.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we're so excited to be in your house today, Lord. We ask for special blessings on this church and our, and our pastor and his family, Lord. We know that, that you are the rock that we can go to, Lord. When we see such discourse in this country every day, Lord, we know that your hand is on each of us, Lord and that peace will come to each of us as if we ask, Lord. We offer up just a pittance of what you give us, Lord. We ask that you bless it, Lord. You continue to bless us. In your name we pray, amen. Jesus speaks for 
How many of you can say the blood of Jesus speaks for you? Amen. Isn't that a great song of testimony? Thank you, ladies, for leading. Rebecca, for taking lead in worship today while Kevin is away at a conference for his real job that he does on Monday through Friday. We miss him, but we look forward to having him back next week with us. How many of you uh, have had the flu this year or someone in your immediate family has had the flu this year? Yeah, this has been a rough flu season. A lot of people have had a couple of different strains. And if anyone had asked you... During the time while you were sick, do you want to get well? I would imagine every last one of you on about day six, seven, eight, nine, or ten of the flu would say, absolutely, let me get over this thing. Well, today we're going to encounter that question, do you want to get well? And the answer would seem to be yes, but too often the answer by many people is, eh, not really. Please turn in your copy of Scripture to John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, as we continue this series called Jesus, Who Are You? in the Gospel of John. And we're looking at John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Let's encounter the text together this morning, beginning with verses 1 through 4. Sometime later, that is, sometime after he had healed the official son, which we looked at last week, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. John says that Jesus had gone up to Jerusalem, and everyone always went up to Jerusalem for a couple of different reasons. One reason was that Jerusalem was topologically up, from most places, but also when one was going up to Jerusalem, he was going to the holy city, typically to the Temple Mount, and so he was going up spiritually to Jerusalem. While in Jerusalem at this time, which according to John is the second time Jesus had been to Jerusalem, Jesus goes to a place in the city called Bethesda, and that word Bethesda means house of mercy. The place had gotten its name because a legend had developed about miracles that would happen there at the pool of Bethesda. People would get in the water and apparently be healed. Now, whether people were really healed when they were put in the pool at certain times, we don't really know. But what we do know is that a bunch of people believed the legend to be true. And there were always hundreds of people there. People who came from throughout the city. People who came from the surrounding countrysides, people maybe who even came from other places in the nation to come and wait for the next miracle. Someone had even funded the construction of five covered colonnades that surrounded the pool to allow the sick to be able to get out of the sun. Well, for all of the hope of miracles, the scene there at Bethesda was one of hopelessness. The people gathered there included the sick those who both knew what they had and those who had not been diagnosed, the blind, some who had been born blind, others who had become blind recently, and the lame or paralyzed who could not make it to the pool on their own. And their only hope was to somehow crawl to the pool or to have someone else put them in the pool. It was a sea of broken humanity. It doesn't really take much For us to imagine the mass of people lying around the pool that day. To hear their moans of pain. 
to hear their cries for help, to smell the stench of urine and sweat, or to even see the filth created by sick people huddled together in mass. It had to be a horrible, distressing sight, except for one thing. Jesus was there. Jesus surveyed the crowd that day, and he saw their infirmities. He heard their cries for help. He smelled their stench. But finally, his eyes fell on one man. Look at verses 5 and 6. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in the condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? I imagine that Jesus' eyes centered on this man because he couldn't help but do so. From some of the things that happened later in the story, I, I don't think this was some faith-filled guy. In fact, I think he was probably rather irritating at this point. Later on, we'll see that he doesn't thank Jesus when he heals him. And how could you not thank Jesus for healing you unless you're a jerk? When the religious leaders show up, he throws Jesus under the bus. Again, jerk. And then Jesus tells him to sin no more. Ah, there's the problem. Well, I think this guy was one of those guys who you couldn't help but focus on. He was one of those guys who, when you came to the pool of Bethesda, you heard him, you saw him, and you asked, what is his deal? He was probably the guy that was lying on his mat hollering, watch it, buddy, as someone got too close as they walked by, or you're getting in my space, you worthless piece of flesh. Somebody who was close by and sick. Or would somebody put me in? Somebody put me in the water. Come on, you bleepity bleeps. I think that's how this guy was. I think Jesus noticed him because everyone noticed him. He was a picture of hopelessness, both physically and spiritually. He was full of infirmity. And he was full of sin. And so Jesus focused on this man because he had a purpose in mind and a lesson to teach. And this man fit it perfectly. Jesus learned that this man had been in this condition for 38 years. And I figured that he, that happened from someone who was standing by Jesus. As Jesus was looking over the crowd, probably someone came over to Jesus and said, Yeah, he's always here. Been here for 38 years. I'd be a miserable sap too. But Jesus approaches the man and he asks, Do you want to get well? It's a bold question by Jesus. I mean, if my imagination is right, this guy could have let Jesus have it in a jambalaya of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek curse words all at once. After all, in 23 years of ministry, I've never once walked into a hospital room and asked, Do you want to get well? I've never done that because I know they want to get well. I've never had anybody say, you know what? I don't. Man, I have never known how nice it was to have a catheter, <laughs> use a bedpan, and be tethered to an IV pole and a nasal cannula. And the food is first rate. Rubber eggs, rubber chicken, and all the jello you could ever want to eat. Yeah, nobody said that at the bedside of a hospital. But I have had people who didn't want me to pray. I once visited a man 
who was not a member of our church, but we had been asked to go see him. And I entered the room and I said, hi, I'm Stuart Holloway. I'm pastor at First Baptist Pineville. So-and-so asked me to come see you. How are you doing today? Well, I was trying to get a nap. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry for waking you. May I pray for you and then I'll let you get back to rest? No, I really just want to go to sleep. And he closed his eyes and turned over. All righty then. Do you want to get well? Maybe he didn't. See, the question's important. And here's why. It's a question with a double meaning. A question with a spiritual nuance. On the one hand, the question is a physical one. Do you want to get well physically? But on the other hand, there's the spiritual side. Do you want to get well spiritually? And every single one of us here has to answer the spiritual side of the question at the very least. The reality is there are some people who don't want to get well. Some really don't want to get well physically. Maybe they feed on the attention they get or maybe they benefit from their illness. Scholars tell us that in the first century, uh, a person who was healed could lose a good living. But we don't really need the scholars to tell us that about the first century because we see that every day here, don't we? Some people on disability really aren't that disabled. They just like the mailbox money more than they like work. Or they like the mailbox money plus the rather substantial income they make working under the table. That's fraudulent and sinful. But it proves that if we ask, do you want to get well, those people would say, not really. Physically, this invalid is facing a big question. Do you really want to get well? Or do you want to continue lying here begging? In some ways, that's easier. But on the other side of the question is the spiritual side. Do you want to get well spiritually? It's an evangelistic question and it's a discipleship question. Do you want to be set free from sin that cripples you and that will ultimately bring you to a devil's hell? Or do you want to be made well, set free from sin, forgiven, and destined for a Savior's heaven? Do you want to get well? A lot of people answer, eh, not really. That was the deal with the guy in the hospital, I think. He wanted the preacher out of there as soon as possible. He wasn't that sleepy. That's all he was doing in the hospital. <laughs> He just didn't want me there because he was spiritually sick and did not want to get well. A lot of people answer, not really. Do you want to be made well spiritually? It's an important question. Answering yes means you gain forgiveness of sin and salvation and it's amazing but it also means you agree to follow Jesus as your Lord, which means he steps in charge of your life. A lot of people would like to take the Savior part, but aren't that interested in the Lord part. With just a loving and forgiving Savior, I can live like hell Monday through Saturday, but as long as I go through some holy motions at church on Sunday, I'm good. But that's not how it works. Nowhere is that in the Bible. You see, grace is free, but it's not cheap. 
It costs Jesus' life to offer you that forgiveness of your sin. Therefore, when you receive that forgiveness, you also in turn agree to follow him as your Lord. Savior cannot be separated from from Lord. And therefore, a lot of people really don't want to be made spiritually well. I'll take the forgiveness, but I'm not going to allow Jesus to rule my life. So I guess, no, I really don't want to get well. Do you see the importance of the question? Few things hamper the work of Christ in our lives more than our response to that question. So what does this man say? Does he pop off something sarcastic and cuss out Jesus? Does he say yes? Does he say no? Well, let's look at verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water's stirred. While I'm, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. If my imagination of this man is right, his answer probably was a little charged. How can I, man? I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. And when I'm trying to get in the pool, some other yo-yo gets in ahead of me. Hmm. Okay. There's one thing this man does, though. He admits his predicament. Do you know that that's the first step to seeing Jesus work in your life? It's the first step of salvation. Admit your helplessness. For all this man's issues, he knows he has a need and is helpless. In fact, as a paralytic... He is the most hopeless of the helpless and the most helpless of the hopeless. He can't get to the water. If he can get to the water, he can't get in the water. And if he gets into the water, if he's not instantly healed, he's going to die and can't get out of the water. He's hopeless. He's helpless. And without Jesus, we are all right there. Helpless and hopeless. Salvation is in sight, but without Jesus, it might as well be 10,000 miles away. For we have all sinned, Romans 3.23 says. And Romans 6.23 adds, and the wages of sin is death. To be healed spiritually, you have to admit that you need to become well and you can't do it on your own. This man here admitted his need and even if in a a rather rough way, but Jesus took it. And then he says in verse 8, Then Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. What in the world? This man is paralyzed. This man's mat has carried him for 38 years, and now he's supposed to carry the mat? Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Here's Jesus holding out the offer of that that man must accept on complete faith. And that's the second step to seeing Jesus work in your life and the second step to salvation. And that is take Jesus at his word. To take Jesus at his word means you do two things. It means you believe that word and you act on that word. You believe the word. We have to believe what Jesus says. We must believe that he can take away our sins as our Savior. We have to believe that having him as Lord will be far better than being our own Lord. And then we have to act 
on that word. Believing is good, but believing stops way short. Imagine if Jesus had gone up to the man. He said, get up, take up your mat and walk. And the man said, okay, Jesus sounds good. I believe that. And Jesus said, well then, get up and walk. No, I'll just, I'll just believe it. You see, you can believe all day and nothing will happen. True faith is belief with legs on it. So what does this man do? Look at verse 9. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. He takes Jesus at his word. He believes the word of Jesus. He acts on on the word of Jesus. Jesus didn't need to put the man in the pool. Jesus' word was enough. Helplessness and hopelessness vanish at the word of Jesus. I wonder how that moment was when that man was healed. Been laying there for 38 years. I imagine that he tried moving his hands and arms first and he realized, wait... Then he decided, I think I'll try moving my feet and pulling my legs up. And as they pulled him up, he was able to move his legs for the first time. And then he decided to push up for the first time. And he was able to sit up. And then he was able to stand up. And then he was able to pick up that mat that had been holding him for 38 years. And then I think, if he's as boisterous as I think he was. He let out a shout. There wasn't no need for a spirit to come ripple the pool. Because when he shouted, the pool rippled. I'm healed! I'm healed! And then I think he started dancing. And I think he went to other people there and said, I'm healed! And he went to somebody else and said, I'm healed! Remember I was over there laying down? I can walk. I can get around. And it was an amazing thing for them, for him. This man took Jesus at his word. He did what Jesus said to do. And we too, if we look to Christ in faith, can find the power in our lives to do the things we could never do otherwise. If you want Jesus to do a work in your life, take him at his word. If you want to be saved today, take Jesus at his word. The wages of sin are indeed death, but Romans 6.23 continues by saying, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. We take Jesus at his word today. This man did. And he was healed. But it was the Sabbath day. Dump, dump, dump. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The Lord forbids you to carry your mat. Within moments, the man runs into some pompous, pious joy suckers who declare, It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. 
but the hundreds of extra laws the pompous, pious joy suckers had added to the Bible, they said it. They even said you couldn't bite your fingernails on the Sabbath. <laughs> Seriously, I'd be in trouble. Now, I'm sure that this man did not know that law. Why would he? For 38 years, he's been laying, lying on a mat. He never once thought he would ever have to pick up the mat and have to decide whether or not he could carry it on the Sabbath. You would think everyone would be excited about a miracle, but not the pompous, pious joy suckers, not if it was done on the Sabbath. For they were far more concerned about a mat than they were a man. Then watch how this guy throws Jesus under the bus. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? We're going to get him. Now watch. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. During all his celebrating, this man had missed Jesus. He had not thanked Jesus. He had not even found out who Jesus was. This man was not some faith-filled giant. He believed just enough to get healed. He didn't believe enough to yield. You see, healing comes from the Savior. Yielding happens before the Lord. And Jesus had to slip away because for all the man's rejoicing and celebrating, he was drawing attention. And if Jesus stuck around, he would have been ambushed. Heal me. Touch me. I've been laying here for 37 years, six months. Heal me next. But Jesus wasn't interested in just being a great healer physically. If he had, he would have just simply gone from person to person to person to person all day long and cleared out the place. But he picked one man because he was teaching a great spiritual truth. And that was that he did not come just to be a great healer. He came to be the great Savior and Lord. So the story continues because it has to continue because Jesus isn't through with this guy. Verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. The point of this man's healing wasn't his physical healing. It was his spiritual healing. The physical healing was temporary at best. The man eventually died. There's not a 2,000-year-old man walking around talking to us today about the fact that Jesus healed him. So he eventually died. Physical healing didn't last forever, but what Jesus wanted to do spiritually lasts for eternity. So did you notice how Jesus took it spiritual? You are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Apparently, this man was paralyzed because of some sin in his life. 
Now, not all illness is the result of personal sin, but this man's malady apparently was. And so Jesus tells him, stop sinning. I think that's the reason Jesus picked him out. The man's sin and his weakness had a direct connection with his physical predicament. And so Jesus had the perfect setting to teach this wonderful truth. And finally, this man got it. He makes that step beyond initial salvation. When Jesus goes from being your Savior to truly being your Lord. Because when Jesus brings about transformation in your life, he demands allegiance from your life. And so this man, I suspect, gave him his allegiance as we see. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Jesus. There is something about that name. His blood can speak for you. But does it? Do you want salvation? Do you want direction? Do you want belonging? Do you want to get well? Then come to Jesus. Admit your helplessness and take him at his word. Jesus healed this man in order to get a message across to all of us who were spiritually helpless and hopeless. And the message is this. You don't have to stay that way. No matter how long you've been limping, Jesus can change that. No matter how long you've been lying on your mat hoping somebody else would save you, Jesus can save you today. Jesus' word, when accepted and taken, can restore you. Maybe after years of that inner poverty, you finally come to the point where you want to change. You're longing to be restored to everything God has in store for you, everything he wanted you to be. And if so, Jesus is the ticket out of the slum. He is the one who can bring about the difference. The question is, do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? Will you come in repentance of sin and in faith to receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus and follow him as your Lord? Jesus is asking today, do you wish to be well? What's your answer to him? What's your answer to him? May we pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We take your word as truth. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will apply that word to our lives. Some of us today need to trust you for physical healing. Maybe you've told us to trust you, and we haven't. Lord, today, I pray that today would be the day when we admit our helplessness and we act and take you on your word. Lord, there are others in this room who need spiritual healing today. They need salvation. And so, Holy Spirit, in this moment, I pray that you would speak to them right now and say, he's talking about you. And for those in this room who've yet to trust you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that right now they would admit that they're lost, 
that they admit that they are a sinner in need of salvation. And that, God, they would receive your word to be their Savior. And that today would be that day of salvation for them. Lord, for Christians in this room who are already followers of Christ, this could be a time of great growth. Maybe we've gotten a little sick in our relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that you'd make us well. Lord, during this time of invitation and time of response, I pray that you would move. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you'd eliminate distractions and that we would follow your call on our life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.